I'd like everyone in the room to grab your Bible or look on your electronic device or whatever you got to do. Go to Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verse 1. Psalm 84, verse 1. As we begin this series with our introductory message on Altered of Biblical History, Psalm 84, verse 1. We'll read the first three verses. To the choir master. How do you like that? To the choir master, according to... What does that say? I, I use a highlighter, and my highlighter is actually too dark right there, and I can't even see that word. Wow. All right. How lovely is your dwelling place? Wait a minute. I am in the wrong place, I think. No? Nope. I got it. I got it. All right, uh, verse 1, that's right. Okay, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your what? You know, one of the reasons for that is that they didn't sacrifice sparrows on the altar. I just have to tell you that truth. I mean, they didn't sacrifice burials on the altar. The altars of God in the Old Testament were some of the safest places for little sparrows to lay their young or have their young. Uh, we're young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I'm going to have to start paying attention to which highlighters I use. I almost couldn't read that out of my own Bible. There's a summary for this message that I want to share with you. The summary goes like, like, goes like this. This series of messages has been designed to teach the children of God that they need to make certain that their prayer life is connected to the proper power source for a more effective method of petitioning God. How do I know this? Well, you know, I've got this uh, Apple Watch that um, Nathan got me. He's got me a lot of technical things, you know. Notice I'm not wearing it today. I'll tell you why I'm not wearing it today. Last night, I grabbed my little charging cord, and I stuck it to the back of that watch, and I set it on top of my mule chest. So when I wake up this morning, I can put the watch on. It's charged and good to go for the day, right? Well, I'm walking around the house, and I look down, and my watch tells me I only got 19% charge, right? Well, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. So I go back in my room, and I reattach it. I figure... It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't really need it till noonish, right? So I'll just charge it for a couple of few hours, and when I leave, it'll be good to go, right? I came back, and it was down to 2%. So the light came on. You see what I'm saying? My lightning fast brain kicked in, right? And I grabbed that little cord and took it off my watch, and I followed the cord to the end and it was not plugged into a source of power. All right? Folks, there are people going through the motions sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And, and they, they think they're living a pretty decent life. You know, things are going okay for me. I don't pray as much as pastor encourages me to pray. I don't read my Bible as much as pastor encourages me to. But I'm okay. No, you're not. That's the only problem I have with that is, no, you're not. 
Because if you follow the cord out to the end, it's not plugged in. And you're missing out on the greatest source of power that's ever been known in the universe if you're not attached. Amen? For nearly 20 years, I've already addressed this, but it bears repeating. For nearly 20 years, I was away from the pulpit as we know it. I taught Bible classes and things to small groups up and down the pipeline and security, and, and I was a chaplain, and I enjoyed that ministry. But while I was there, churches in America moved away from having altars in the church. And, and with my little watch that I was telling you about, it's got a long cord. It's got a little battery thing or a little magnetic thing that attaches to the back of the watch. And way down, I got an extra long cord. That's one of the problems. I couldn't see the end unless I checked for it. Does that make sense? So when I checked for it, it wasn't plugged in. If you are not a person of the Word and you are not a person of prayer, you're just asking for trouble. You're just asking for trouble. You say, well, well, the devil just doesn't seem to be bothering me very much. Do you know that is one of the most troubling statements I could ever hear out of a child of God? That you're no, you're no problem to the powers of darkness. You're no problem to the kingdom of the devil. You're not taking back any ground. Why should he mess with you? You say, well, I don't want to. I can't afford to upset anybody. <laughs> you know, listen to me carefully. You get beyond that point and you get into the place where you're taking back ground for the kingdom of God. The devil reaches a point where he doesn't want to mess with you. If one of your prayer requests every day, and this is one that I, I move into heavily, is I pray for the city of Anchorage. I pray for the power of God. I pray for the angels of heaven. I pray for all of those things to be in operation in this city. And though the, the, the Bible itself says that the devil is the God of this world, there are pockets of places where the children of God pray. They're plugged in. They pray and the kingdom of God is manifest. And, and the kingdom of God needs to be manifest in the city of Anchorage, Alaska. And if we are not plugged into the altars of our life, and I say altars because they're, they're, there's going to be altars in this church, and for us to dedicate those altars, we've got to be here. So we may wait a little bit on that. And I want to do it when we get as much of the body together as we can. We're going to anoint them with oil and we're going to pray over them. You can make an altar out of your dining room table. You can make an altar out of your bedside. I like that one because you can kneel. Now look, some people got knee problems and can't kneel. But, but in your heart before God, you can kneel. And I'm going to prove to you in the Word of God as we get into the series why that is life and death important. It's life and death important. I wrote here in this introduction, David was writing this psalm as a word of adoration for the house of God. A word of adoration for the house of God. He said he fainted for the house of God and would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. But there's a whole lot of dwelling in the tents of the wicked that must be pretty popular. God help us all. Amen? But one thing he specifically points out is the altar. He says in verse 3, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, 
where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. I can't explain that to you. Only that there were some of God's creatures that weren't even human that enjoyed the peace of God that comes with being near an altar. You know how small these little, these little birds are? They're tiny. And the Bible says that even one doesn't fall that God doesn't know. Amen? So, why would he say this? Because they could find it as a place of refuge and peace. Even though many modern churches don't even install actual altars, overall, they are still one of the most important and popular items in entire church buildings. You know, in England, for example, you see the big cathedrals in England. You see, you've seen them on TV, right? All of those big churches in the United Kingdom now are managed by a branch of the, of the government called the Society for the Preservation of Ancient Monuments. It's against the law in Great Britain to mention the name of Jesus. It is against the law to mention the name of Jesus on television in England or to preach the gospel. I, I, I'm, I know it sounds, doesn't it sound crazy? Doesn't that sound crazy? In many places in Europe, the gospel cannot be preached over television. Many places. That's why, why? Do you think, you know, I can take or leave prayer in America? No, you can't. No, you can't. I can take or leave the altars in my life? No, you know, can't. You can't stop the tide and the direction of the world without altars in your life and without, without being people of prayer and people of the word. You know, there literally are people in this world that get real quiet about their relationship with God and, and you know, they think, well, things are going pretty well. And, and there are a lot of people that don't turn to him until they need him, until they need him. But do we want to get silent? Do we really want to remove the altars in our lives? Do we really want to backpedal when it comes to prayer and just let the country? Do you see still how much light is left in this country? We can still preach the gospel here, you know. And I'm telling you, this virus is not going to stop us. It's not going to stop us in our tracks. It's not going to, there's still going to be some people that are going to come be with me if they can, Right? When I, when I teach and when I preach, no matter, you know, what happens with the coronavirus or any other thing that the devil's ever tried to come up with to stop us. The church cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. I, I wrote some notes here about, about the altar. Some use the steps of the stage. I've talked about that before. Some people even kneel around communion tables and and. We want to have communion the day that we dedicate our altars, all right? And some, uh, and some of the old-fashioned, listen to this, traditional altars. Anybody know what I'm talking about, about traditional altars in a church? Okay, a few of us do, right? Man, when I was a kid, there'd be an altar call, and people would just come up and kneel at the altar and talk to God about the things in their lives. The country was a whole lot better off back then. Amen? It's an, a, an invitation to come forward, right? 
And a lot of times it was just a two by 12, uh, two by 12s nailed together or put together and they had lights on and they varnished them. That was it. Then they came out with velvet covered padding and they, and they made the altar more comfortable. And that's not what it's about. The altar is not about being comfortable. Amen? All right. But regardless of what or where it is, there is great power to be found at the altar. At the altar. Whether it's here, those steps, or at home. Whether it's your dining room table or the side of your bed. There, there has to be altars in our lives that we accept as altars all over the place. There could be no shortage of altar space in our lives. Amen? Nothing is more important in the church than the altar. That's what I'm going to tell you. That's what God's bringing me back around to. The most beautiful and the most run-down church buildings in the world are totally ineffective without a place to make an altar. Doesn't matter whether the building's run down or beautiful. Doesn't matter. This is why we're, we're getting back to the altar. Amen? All right. It's at the altar, number one. Put number one up there. It's at the altar, number one. Alcoholics have been able to lay down their bottles. Number two, drug addictions have been broken. Number three, adulterers have been forgiven. Number four, murderers can be born again. Number five, families have been restored at altars. Number six, the suicidal find peace of mind at the altar. Amen? Number seven, the spiritually bound are set free. Number eight, the sick are healed. Amen? Number nine, financial miracles come forth. Number ten, churches are revived. Number 11, the treasure of the wisdom of God is discovered. Amen? I, I kind of, I got through that in. I'd already had 10. I thought, you know what? We've been praying about the wisdom of God. Where is it, where is it going to be found? It can't be found at the supermarket or the drugstore. Or not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is found at altars. On, on our knees in prayer. Amen? So I wrote this in big letters. Thank God for the altar. Amen? In the Bible, there are two purposes for altars. And, and we're going to use this as, as part of our introduction, but we're going to come back to these before the series is over with. Number one, okay, in the Bible, there are two purposes for altars, and there may be more, but I'm, I'm certainly convinced that these two are a part of it. Number one, to give various offerings to God. A, we'll, we'll revisit these. A was a burnt offering. Amen? A is a burnt offering. <laughs> when I began to be led by God through, through this series, and I, and I started writing these things down, I was reminded of something. And, and if, you, if you ask most Bible teachers, and, and those that are really smart people, really smart people, where altars showed up in the Bible, you know where they jumped to? Noah. 
Noah before Abraham. Noah. Noah was before Abraham. When he got off of the ark, he built an altar to the Lord. And I looked at smart people over and over and over again. Now, Noah, the first ark was at Noah, or the first altar was with Noah. And, and Noah would build an altar to God because he was grateful. The flood was over. Amen? But that's not where... I, I've got I've to stop right here for this. Let's, let's do this together. Go to Genesis with me. Go to Genesis chapter 3. We've spent a lot of time in Genesis chapter 3 lately, have we not? And we did say that we're calling this a biblical history, right? Genesis chapter 3, and I'll give you the verse. I didn't plan to do this right here. But. Genesis chapter 3, bounce down to verse 20. Now, this was after all the smoke settled, all the, you know, things died down after Eve, Adam and Eve fell, the original sin, right? And after, after it all simmered down, you jump to verse 20, and you read this. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, pay very close attention to what God did next. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Now, what do we know? What do we know about burnt offerings? We know that mankind would not have been able to commune with God except for offerings and burnt, and burnt offerings, altars and burnt offerings. Does that make sense? Why in the world would God wait to reveal that way up there with Noah? Let me tell you what happened here. God taught Adam and Eve what it was going to take if you want to continue to commune with me, if you want to continue to have a relationship the sacrifice of innocent blood of animals is going to have to take place. Does that make sense to you? The first thing that God taught Adam and Eve after the fall was burnt offerings. You say, well, brother, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. You're right. It doesn't say that. But what do we know? We know that mankind was not going to be able to truly commune with God without altars, without, you know, when Cain and Abel brought their offerings to the Lord, it was probably at an altar. I'm trying to tell you that God didn't waste any time establishing the need for altars in our lives. And he hasn't let up. That hasn't changed, you see. We cannot treat this lightly. Can you say amen? All right, B. Drink offerings. How many of you ever heard of a drink offering? Man, David's mighty men of valor overheard David saying, longing for a drink from the well in the city, right? Those mighty men of valor, those were bad mamaluchis. <laughs> and they took off and went to the city, killed a bunch of people, and got the water out of that well for David, the king they loved. And they brought it back to him. And when he realized what they had done, how can I, how can I drink this? And he poured it out, not to be disrespectful, but he poured it out as a drink offering to God. Does that make sense? All right. We're not going to be able to spend as much time. We'll come back to these. 
um, as we go through the series. C, there was a free will offerings. And we need to talk more about that. D, heave offerings. We're definitely going to need to give you a definition for that later. There were meal offerings. There were sin offerings. And there were thank offerings. Does that make sense? That covers a lot of ground, you know. All right? These were presented at or around the altar of God. The purpose was to get God's approval or favor over their lives or the work they were doing. See, we're not, we're not doing anything about asking God's approval over the labor of our hands even like we should. Amen? Now, number two. In the Bible, there are two purposes for altars. One is to give various offerings to God, and two is to bring a sacrifice of God, or to God for the atonement of sin. That's very important. All right, now, watch this. Keep that in mind and go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And I can read through the highlighter on this one. Praise God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Are you ready? Okay. I'm all for giving you plenty of time. Don't panic. All right. Praise God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I think that it's fitting here that God refers to us as a living sacrifice. Now, that's like, that's like, um, that's why people would go down to the altar and kneel and stay there for a while. Talk to God about things. Let God work on some things. Don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a rush. What we used to do is we'd give an altar call and some people would come down to the altar. The rest of the people in the church who say didn't have anything really, you know, uh, they go out and fellowship in the lobby and let people in here minister to God and be ministered to by God. It's two-way street. Amen? Now, I'm feeding you this information because this is the direction we absolutely must go in. We cannot disobey God on this matter. All right? So, relax. Get ready. Amen? Now, I don't want to look at this. Mark, um, Nathan, I want to put all 12 of these up one at a time. There were some people in the Bible who believed in the altar. One, Noah, after getting off the ark. We already gave that honorable mention. Two, Abraham, after dividing the land with Lot. Do you remember that? Abraham was so kind, he told Lot, you pick, you pick the land. Lot, and Lot thought he picked the best of the land and ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? Because he did not pick in the wisdom of God. So afterwards, God tells Abraham, I want you to do a, do a complete circle here and look all the way around you. It didn't matter what Lot picked. God said to Abraham, in renewing his promise to Abraham, I'm giving you all this land. I'm giving it all to you, right? So he built an altar to the Lord. Why? Out of a heart of gratitude, right? Isaac, while headed to Gerar, 
because of the famine that was transpiring. Remember, Isaac was on his way to Egypt, right? He knew that his son was alive. Didn't he have a lot to be grateful for? How did he respond to it? He built an altar and sacrificed to God, right? All right. Uh, number four, Jacob, after meeting with Esau and discovering the power of forgiveness, he thought that Esau was coming to kill him. And when he met up with Esau, God had done a work in Esau's life. And his brother, Jacob, saw that work, and he was so grateful, he built an altar to the Lord and sacrificed to God, right? Moses, after the Israelites were attacked by an enemy for the first time since leaving Egypt, God did not let them destroy the children of Israel. God protected them. God watched over them. God fought for them. And out of gratitude, he built an altar and sacrificed to God. Number six, Joshua was so grateful after they crossed the Jordan before they fought a single battle, before they did anything, to build an altar and sacrifice to God. Number seven, Gideon, after receiving the call of God to lead an army against the Midianites. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons why Gideon built an altar is because he was afraid. But he knew that if he built an altar to God and sacrificed to God, if God was truly calling him, God was going to help him rise to the occasion. Number eight, Samuel, while judging Israel. Samuel was consistent about sacrificing to God. Number nine, Elijah, while on Mount Carmel. Number ten, David, after committing the sin of numbering Israel. That sin, we're going to refer to it more later, but that sin was he wanted to number Israel out of a reason of pride, out of a heart of pride. God said, don't do it, and he did it anyway. See, taking Bathsheba to be his wife wasn't the only sin David ever committed. The sin of pride cost David and the children of Israel. Number 11, Manasseh, after humbling before God and turning away from wickedness while in Babylon. One of the greatest places to go when you need forgiveness of sin is an altar before God. Amen? Now, listen, we're going to look at this. Peter found himself at an altar of prayer. It, this is New Testament stuff. After denying Jesus three times. How many of you know we don't always make the right decisions? And Peter didn't. Jesus even warned him. You would think if you know ahead of time you could, you could keep from doing it. No, no, no. Just because Jesus warned Peter. That's why Jesus said to Peter. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you turn, help your brothers. Where did he turn? He turned at an altar of prayer, reaching out to God. Jesus healed, forgave, and healed Peter. Does that make sense? Now, if you don't understand this one, you're, you're twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Jesus at Gethsemane. Folks, let me tell you, he was the son of God. It wasn't dying on the cross for our sins that was as, as, as you know, dying, like having nails run through his hands and feet. That wasn't the part that made him labor so in prayer that until drops of blood were on his forehead. It was also taking on the sin of the world, all of our sin, and having to suffer his own father turning his back on him. That's why he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. It wasn't a moment of weakness. 
It was just Jesus facing the cold, hard truth. And what was it about him that made him go through with it? The joy that was set before him that our salvation would be provided. It's the only reason he did it. But he spent time on his knees praying before his father, and he was the son of God. If anybody, you would think if there was anybody that needed to pray, it'd be Jesus. But he needed to pray. Amen? All right. And then guess what? What do you think those 120 were doing in the upper room? They were praying. They were praying. Nathan, I want you to put that next statement up. If the altar was good or important enough for all of them, surely it must be for us. That's spiritual common sense right there. That's anointed common sense. Amen? Now, I know people question, if the altar is so great, what is it that makes folks afraid to come to it? That's easy. After all, like I said, physically, in a lot of places, it's just two by 12 with some studs covered in varnish or fabric. We all sat in the chairs. We stand on the stage. We go into the lobby to fellowship. We can study over a table out there, and none of that bothers us. None of that bothers us. One of the things is, though, that the devil has convinced the children of God that there's a stigma involved. It's not a stigma. It's never a stigma to pursue the face of God. Never. Why then does it bother us so much to use the altar? Number one, if you go, you're admitting you need help. If you go back, I challenge you to go back to Romans chapter 12, those first few verses we read. Going to an altar helps you deal with the things in your life that, are, that you consistently displease God with. And it says it in there. You want to change that? Become a living sacrifice. Lay on the altar of God. Number two, if you go, you will be humbled. You will be humbled. There is... There's no getting around it. There's no, look, look, but why in the world have we allowed the devil to lie to us to the point where we feel, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, I, you know what? First of all, the reason why you're going down there is nobody else's business. And you say, well, pastor, it's other people's business because sometimes you give altar calls about specific issues. You remember that? You ever seen that? But you know what? You don't have to wait on me and my specific issues I talk about or I call you down for. You can come down and talk to God about anything, and it's nobody else's business. It's nobody else's business why you're down there. Matter of fact, set a good example for people. Come on down, kneel, or, or, and you know what we'll do? We'll have altars, we've got the steps, and we'll have front chairs. Why would we have the front chairs? Because everybody can't kneel. So we can make this first row and the altars and the steps our altar area. If the whole church wants to come down and sit and pray, kneel and pray, kneel at the altar and pray, you can do it. This is why I said to you earlier, this may be the most important series we've ever preached. Because if we don't get this right, nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to work. 
Church isn't going to grow. Uh, you you want to watch a coronavirus kill a church? Disobey God. Don't do what he tells you to do. People stop coming. Money stops coming in. You can't pay the bills. It's over, baby. It's over. Right? So, you know what? I'm, I'm you know, get humble me, Lord. Humble me, Lord. Humble me, Lord. I desperately need it. Number three, if you go, your true self will be revealed. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. But regardless, we need to use the altar. If you're a Christian, don't ever get to the place where you feel like you don't need to come pray anymore. If you're a sinner, if you're not living right, the best choice you can make is come to an altar. Meet with God. Stop arguing with God as to why you can't come. Just come. Amen? Now, that's just the intro. That's just the intro. Now, now remember these. You're going to be able to come back and look. This is just the intro. All right? It's just the intro. God is taking me to places in the Bible where he gives a perfect example of what happens when you come to the altar. And it is a thing of beauty. It's magnificent. Now, you'll bear with me if we need to postpone some of that for a little bit so we can deal with these things as a church body, right? We're not going to let the devil stop us. We're just going to be wise about how we position the messages. Amen? And we're going to do these things together. And if we're all doing it, what does it matter? If we're all coming down to the altar to spend time with God because, you know, it, without Jesus, I don't care who you are. Without Jesus, you're just a mess. You think you're pretty well off without him. You're wrong, right? So we'll come to the altar or the front seat chair or the steps or whatever we need to do, and we'll spend time before the Lord. Just, just give us an opportunity. God's told me that, that that final service on this series, we're going to anoint those altars, we're going to get communion stuff, and we're going to get up here either in a chair or at steps or build up, and we're going to have communion together, all right? So we're going to build up to it. God's going to lay layer upon layer upon layer in his word about how important this is to him, and if it's important to him, it's important to me. If it's important to him and me, it ought to be important to you, you know? So it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. God's going to bless our socks off, amen? God's going to take care of us. Um, you know, there are there's so many things going on in this world. No wonder, no wonder that one of the hugest pharmaceutical needs in the world today is, um, uh, what do they call them? Antidepressants. Now, look, don't feel bad if you're taking one right now. Look, look, look. But what if you got down to the altar? And, you, and then you didn't need them anymore. I'm just saying. If, what, what if you just didn't need them anymore? You know? Now, no, look, look. Listen to me carefully. Medications are a gift from God. Don't, don't misconstrue what I just said. I take vitamins and, you know, I've got medications that the doctor has given me, and I've learned the hard way that it's unwise to ignore <laughs> those things. All right? But what I'm saying is, what if all of a sudden I didn't need blood pressure medication anymore? Wouldn't that be a nice thing? It can happen at an altar. Amen. So 
don't don't get upset if you're 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 taking some medication the doctor prescribed for you. Matter of fact, unless God told you to quit taking them, I'd advise you to take them. Amen. But medications can also be a way if we abuse or misuse them for the devil to get a grip in our life. If you don't believe that, ask someone who's been addicted to oxycodone or something, right? God help us. Why? We need the wisdom of the Lord. Amen? I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing medicine. Don't leave out here saying, oh, pastor said I don't need my blood pressure medication anymore. You better not do that. <laughs> that would be very unwise. National Day of Prayer. Amen? National Day of Prayer. You need to come back and visit this introduction on the Internet if you can. LifespringAK.com. And, um, you know, what? all I can do is pray this week and see what God wants me to do. But we're going to come back to this, and, and we're going to get beyond the introduction, and God's going to change this church. Amen? That's my word on it, God's word on it. Amen? So... We just need to pray together again because it's a national day of prayer. Uh, we need to ask God to continue to prepare our hearts for what he wants to do at the altars of our lives. You don't have to wait. You, when you sit down at your dining room table now and open your Bible, understand that you're, you're parking at an altar before the Lord. It will be much more powerful and effective for you. Talk to him. Amen. Parvin Lee, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to pray. Parvin Lee was uh, a man I've mentioned to you num numerous times. He was the first mentor I ever had. He was 84 when I met him. And um, he told me about being a pastor in a small city in Michigan. He said we were part of a ministerial alliance, and we wanted to have a citywide crusade. And we had this <coughs> young, unknown evangelist that we invited, um, that was in his 20s. We invited him to our city to hold a citywide crusade. He said, the young man showed up to our minister alliance meeting and said, gentlemen, we can plan this. We, we can do a citywide crusade, but first we must pray. And he dropped to his knees at that chair in that conference room in front of all those old preachers in that room. And he said, that's where I met Billy Graham for the first time on his knees. I met Billy Graham while he was on his knees. You know, he said I laid eyes on him for the first time. He was on his knees in, in a chair in a room. And so what did the chair become? An altar. And Billy Graham set the pace for those men of God to pray and reach out to the Lord for their first citywide crusade in that small city in Michigan. Right. And it was one of the first crusades that Billy Graham ever did. It was early on in his life. It's the altar. It makes all the difference. Amen. Father, I rise to my feet before you today. And I ask you for your children, Father, for the those of us in this room, Father, here today. Once again, we are so grateful for a national day of prayer. It's been a long time, Father, in coming. And yet it's here. It's upon us. Thank you for pushing for this. I believe that your spirit pushed for this. And I thank you for it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're binding with the body of Christ in this country, reaching out to you. 
And on behalf of the people of this nation, we repent, Father. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would forgive us of all of our sins and all of our shortcomings as a nation. Father, may we be allowed by your Spirit to represent in that light. Father, once again, we cast the cares of this situation with the coronavirus and, and even the flu and all those things out there. And the flu has killed tens of thousands of people, Father. We come against it also in the mighty name of Jesus. Speak words of healing over this nation in words of spiritual health for your glory. Help this nation to turn from its wicked ways, especially those that call themselves by your name. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would lead God and direct in the churches of this country to lean heavily on your wisdom, your guidance, your direction, and that we would be obedient to you, Father, in all that we say and do in accordance with our response to what many are calling a crisis. But, Father, I believe that you're hearing the prayers of your children and you're responding accordingly, Father, because we're praying and we're asking in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today to enjoy this introduction to this series on the altar. We want to be pleasing to you, Father, and responsible to you and for you in presenting these series of messages. Once again, Lord, we thank you that you're not with us just here at LifeSpring Bible Church once a week, but you, you go with us. You're everywhere with us. You're in our homes, in our cars, Father, on our job sites, and you're watching over us. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Help us throughout the week, Father, to be pleasing to you in all that we say and do. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to be obedient to the call of your children to the altars of our lives, Father, wherever they may be. I would pray, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would perform a miracle in the lives of all of your children. That not only would we come to the altars in our lives, but we'll be quick, Father, without hesitation for your glory and for your honor and meet you there, Father. Hear from you. Have miracles happen in our lives and the lives of our families. Once again, I lift up the city of Anchorage to you. I thank you for your spirit here. I thank you for your angels in operation because greater are those that are with us than those that are with them on the other side. Father, we repent on behalf of this city. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, for great and mighty revival for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Fellowship together before you leave today.